Hi everyone, Michael Ray here on Awoke Blokes episode 14. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise that it's another episode. It's definitely 14. And I'm here in sunny Australia with my host, Reham, all the way from UK. How is it there, Reham? It's not too bad actually today. Um, it's a little rainy and a bit windy, but not too uh, unpleasant, thankfully. How's the summer? Wish, oh, you were, wish we were all there. Yeah. 40 degree day, I've, I've just freshly jumped out of the pool to rush back and, and record this dedicated sort of bloke I am. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, tonight's episode, what are we talking about, Reham? We're talking about healthy and unhealthy relationships and what that really means for us as individuals, as parents, as couples, as partners, as co-workers even. Mm. Yeah, um, there's so much to, to be spoken about this topic and it's vital to every aspect of our of our being being that every every situation we're in involves a relationship in some way or another uh it starts from our relationship with ourself you know who are we and how do we choose to show up in the world what are the skill sets that we take with us to operate and to function with other people and in different circumstances for those that are religious, there's that relationship with um, a higher power, with God, whatever anybody calls it. And then there's the relationship with others. And that's a huge category. And that's the one that we're tackling today. So what thoughts mm -hmm. do you have on what consists of a healthy and unhealthy relationship, Michael? To me, a, a relationship has a life of its own. So it, it it's actually... To me, it can be the third entity in the room with yourself and your partner, yourself and your boss, yourself and your coworker. It's like a Venn diagram. So there are little bits where we overlap, but it should never be a complete lap. So any relationship that makes you um, alter your behavior, makes you less confident to be your true self, that makes you doubt yourself or feel like it's... Um, a constant need to pursue the other person to seek their approval or to avoid their disapproval. It's not really a healthy relationship. You should be more you than ever before for a healthy, good relationship. But again, the relationship has to be separate from your own self-worth and self-identity. Many relationships fail, you know, through no, no real fault of their own, but, you know, just, for being slightly incompatible, but you shouldn't have to buckle yourself. You definitely shouldn't have to change your values to be in that relationship. And I think until you're completely happy or not happy, but content with being alone, you're going to struggle to find a truly healthy relationship because it's, it's like using food to, um, okay. Make yeah. yourself feel better. Yeah, to compensate for things. See, I'm feeling a bit bad. I really need him because he makes me feel good. Well, then he's serving a purpose. So then you're using him to fill something within yourself or to distract you from something that you probably should be um, confronting. And as I always say, not everything that's confronted can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's confronted. So... Absolutely. Uh, th those feelings of loneliness, if you don't like being alone, 
you need to be comfortable with being able to sit in the still and the quiet. You need to ask yourself, why can't I? And if it comes down to boredom or loneliness or any of those things, you've got to dig a bit deeper, you know, and just ask yourself, like, why does that bother me? And, you know, why can't I find a use for that time that I am alone? Why don't I want to sit with myself? Because if you're not comfortable sitting with yourself and expecting someone else to be comfortable sitting with you, it's, you know, it's like going to the amusement park every day. Just, you know, after a while, you're going to get tired of it. Yeah, let's not get on another roller coaster ride with someone else. That's kind of really up the unhealthy relationship aisle um, or direction. <clears throat> with that said, you you hit many important points. And one in particular that I really want to stress is being comfortable with being ourselves. Now, if we can be comfortable being alone with ourselves and our thoughts are getting in the way, then those are unhealthy thoughts that we need to address from a mindset perspective and see what we can do about that. And that's another episode altogether. But today, if we are uncomfortable being in an empty space or spend some time alone with ourselves because of our past, because of our um, relationships and our wrongdoings or because of our fears or because of our insecurities, then there's so much room for healing. You're not lost, you're not broken. Nobody was born broken, nobody needs fixing. We just need tweaking because we all go through experiences and those experiences create like a scar on our, on our souls. And those scars are hard to remove or hard to heal <clears throat> as in like remove them, eradicate them as if they never happened, which can happen sometimes with the proper healing or to have them heal properly without infection or without inflammation. And, and the way to do that is to recognize what it is that we're struggling with. Because when we are connecting to someone else, be it a partner or a coworker or a boss or a colleague of some sort, and we're needing to please them. What's the cause of that? Why are we pleasing them at the cost of our own pleasure or at the cost of our own health or at the cost of our own well being? Why are we, like you were saying, Michael, eating um, <clears throat> to, to do more damage to our body instead of staying healthy and using food as sustenance instead of, you know, comfort? And, and I'm not against food as comfort, but in moderation, as we've talked about in a previous episode on health and physical well-being. But it's about recognizing how we use the resources we have and the skills and personality traits we possess to either elevate us and to make us better human beings and make us better individuals alone and better individuals in, in a union platonically or, per, or personally, um, what happens is if we don't recognize what is at stake, we'll feed that hole with whatever else. And that becomes a secondary gain. 
And that's a common term that's term that's usually used to fill a void that we have within us. So let me give an example. So if I'm feeling insecure about applying for a new job and I feel like I've been, for example, out of work for some time and I'm needing because of COVID, for example, or, or because of illness or because of responsibilities and I'm needing to go back into the job market. I could come at it from the perspective of, oh, great, you know, this is a wonderful opportunity for growth. And that would be a healthy relationship with myself and a healthy relationship with what's to come. If I look at it from the perspective of, oh, they're never going to see what I have to offer. I'm never going to live up to this job application, uh, job um, application requirements, the uh, KPIs are just too much or, or as women oftentimes will look at a job uh, advert and say, I can only do 60%. So I'm not going to apply. And men oftentimes look at that and say, I could do 20%. And you know what? I'm applying and I'm going to get it. Exactly. I read that research and it's just men are so overconfident and women are so underconfident that it's amazing that research sorry go on no no (laughs) it is and it gets me every single time but the point of of the secondary gain is I'm not going to apply out of fear um and the secondary gain is I am always feeding that story of I'm just not good enough or I can't do it or I'm just not going to be chosen but how would you know if you've never tried Mm. I'll bring it from a completely different perspective and then I'll, I'll send it back to you, Michael. Um, another example of secondary gain is when we, we, go to, we go to our partner and they're upset. And instead of addressing it from a healthy perspective of saying, I wanna understand what you're upset about, what happened you know, tell me what's going on so that we can address it and we can then work it out together instead of looking at it from the perspective of, I know I did it again. It's, it's my fault. I know that I'm the one at fault. And in, rela- in reality, the secondary gain aspect here is I'm just going to say I'm sorry preemptively because the gain here is my partner's acceptance. And in reality, we want that but the way that this person chose to do it is unhealthy because they're not really understanding the underlying issue or pattern that might be happening that might be their fault and it might be their partner's fault. But to avoid altogether responsibility and accountability and just say, you know what, I'm gonna claim it as, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say, I'm sorry, I'm gonna claim it as my fault and you know, here's a kiss and we're good and let's move on it's almost like you're wiping the slate clean without ever understanding what caused it to be dirty or you know, spotty or smeared with grease. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's the concept of just avoiding so that you can please others. And pleasing others is just one of many ways to have that secondary gain fulfilled so that the equilibrium, the relationship maintains that constant flow, but underlying that unhealthy foundation of that's built, that's that we're building that equilibrium on is that boiling, you know, magma of, of 
unaddressed issues that can explode at any time. That's how earthquakes and volcanic eruptions and tectonic, Tectonic. thank you, move and shift because of the boiling that has created that pressure. What are your thoughts, Michael? I I agree 100%, Reham. And what happens is um, when we just apologize to just, I just want to get it over. I just want to get things back on track. So I'm going to apologize and he'll feel better about it. That need to people please. To me, that's an underlying issue where you feel that you're not quite worthy enough. That you know, you see your role as if I can please him, my self-esteem has become contingent. I feel good about myself when I can please someone. I feel good about myself when I get the job. I feel bad about myself when I don't get the job. We need to realize we separate these things from our self-worth. It's not the outcome. Exactly. So outcomes and external and extrinsic things, they change. Being a people pleaser, they'll only say please for a little while, then they'll demand a little bit more. Then you'll have to do a little bit more. They keep shifting the goalpost constantly and you lose sight of who you are. You lose connection with your true inner self because you're always trying to figure out what will make them happy, what will keep them around me rather than what is it that I want? What makes me happy? What makes me, um, and happiness comes and goes, but what makes me content? So that equilibrium where it's not up and up or down, we've got happy and sad at up and below the line, but we've got that content, you know, it's, things don't change. I'm good with it. Um, to expect happy all the time. It's, we become habituated to it. And it's like anything else, stress, exercise, loud noise, bright lights, eventually our body starts dialing down our response to it and go, well, you know what? This used to make me so happy. And now, uh, you know, I'm not that happy about it anymore. I need to seek further happiness. I need to seek bigger thrills. I need to seek, demand more love or more attention. And, you know, it just gets, more and more and more but we need to come back in and I think that's why we see a lot of codependent uh, people because as much as someone is demanding something the other person is having a need filled by providing it because it's well look you know I can't be a bad person because I made him happy I, I can't be a bad bloke because you know she she thinks that uh, I'm, a, I'm a good guy and the minute that she does something wrong and you fall apart and start second-guessing yourself rather than going, you know what, if we don't address it, if we don't confront it, and if we don't understand it, we're just going to keep repeating it. And it just gets tiresome. And I think that's why, um, you know, these roller coaster relationships where it's up, down, up, down, it's like we ring the bell, we can relax. We hit the bottom, we work again. And it's just... It's in a constant state of flux where it's up and down, up and down, because you're trying to find the middle, but you overshoot the runway. Michael, it reminds me of Pavlov. And I know this is not a a psychology class, but for those of you that aren't familiar with Pavlov, it's about a man that was a a scientist, psychologist that was testing dogs for response, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. And each time they hit, a goal 
then he would give them food. Each time they didn't hit the goal, he would electrocute them. If I remember correctly, Michael, is that right? Because it's fresher yeah, for you sure than it is. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, right <laughs> yeah it, it's, it, it reminds me of that. And if, if we are always responding to a trigger, if we're always responding to uh, the pressure, if we're always responding to other people's, you know, uh, jump how high, you know, concept, then we're never going to be aware of our inner compass. So the point of the matter here is recognize what your inner compass tells you and your inner compass, your ticker isn't off. <laughs> it really isn't. Just trust your inner compass. And if you don't know what your inner compass wants or needs, this is the time to really dig deep and look inside inwardly. And, and as Michael, you were saying beautifully, it's contentment, it's gratitude for what you have. Recognize what you have first. Recognize what you believe in. Recognize what you stand for. What is your code as a man? What are you looking to, to um, attract in another human being? Not because you need it, but because you want it. When we need things, it's filling that hole. Just like when we need and crave, like somebody might crave cheese or ice cream or pizza or a burger. And that's because there's something that's missing in your body that you're craving or it has an addictive quality. But when you want something, when it comes from a place of choice, know that we all have the power of choice. And as I tell my son, who's quite young, but enjoys this story, um, it's this concept of a superpower in, that we all have, that we all possess, the concept of choosing what we want for ourselves. And, and in unhealthy relationships, if someone or you find yourself as a bloke being impatient with your partner and moving away from creating that connection with her, um, moving away from creating those healthy boundaries with her, articulating what is important to you, articulating what are the non-negotiables for you. Those are the things that you need to work on it, uh, regarding your inner compass. Another one is if you're noticing that you're not accepting of other people and their quirks, their personality traits and their imperfections, go back to that inner compass. Because what's happening is you're, there's this invisible string. If you've never read this book, I strongly recommend that you read it. it I'm, there's no affiliation to us and this book, but it's called The Invisible String by Patrice Karts. Um, and it's an amazing book about a parent and this is true for anybody, and a parent and a child, and the invisible string that connects them. Now, two partners have an invisible string. And if you're unaccepting of your partner, you're literally disconnecting or, or creating little cuts in that invisible string that, uh, that binds you. That's the love between you. You could be in a mm -hmm. different country in a different world, and that invisible string is there, and it tugs on your heart, and you know that you're loved by someone. Um, someone special, I hope. And when you are unaccepting, you're basically saying, I'm not wanting this invisible string to connect us. And that's not healthy at all. Um, mm -hmm. So accepting our imperfections and, and accepting that we are flawed, but not broken, and that we have the patience and the these are the healthy qualities. We have patience, we have acceptance, we have recognition 
of the values and the morals that someone has and possesses and upholds, we have that, that sense of healthy distance between couples like you were talking about, Michael, where you're not creating codependency. That codependency, again, fills the void. It's one of those addictive ways that we keep that string connected, but the string comes with more strings attached. And um, when the strings are attached tighter to that one string, that's where manipulation comes in. That's where control comes in. That's where power comes in. Don't get me started on this topic, Michael. So what are your thoughts? And if you have any additional ones. I, I agree a hundred percent what you've, what, what I, I see a lot today, this rush to get straight into the relationship, to cohabitate, to, to become exclusive. And to me, that just screams insecurity from the other person's thing. And if you're insecure about your connection with the other person, it's because you doubt yourself more than you doubt them. You've got to look at yourself and go, are they sitting there? Are you sitting there going, well, of course they're going to be finding someone that's better than me because, you know, I'm pretty crap. You know, of course they're going to want somebody that's more than me. But if, if you're staying with somebody that you think would um, not be monogamous, if, if that's what you're seeking, if it's not just a casual relationship, why would you want to be with somebody like that? If you think the only reason they're not doing it is because the opportunity hasn't arisen. And if you stand guard or sentinel or put a moat around them and fill it with crocodiles or check their phones to see if they're doing it, if you can't trust them, they're not the one. Straight away, you've just gone, well, they're of such dubious character that I can't trust them. And yet you're saying that you want to be in a relationship with them. What is it about you that makes you that I don't want to say desperate, but but that keen, that longing not to be alone, that frightened to be alone, that you would rather be with somebody that you can, like it's a pretty fair attack on somebody's character to do it because I'm pretty sure if I accused you of having the potential to do it, well, not even potential, but the proclivity, the likelihood of, yeah. of doing it, if, if there weren't barriers in the way, if I wasn't checking on you, that's a, that's a fairly harsh um, judgment, uh, you know, a harsh, harsh assessment of you. So if you can't trust them, you need to walk away from them and look at yourself and go, what is it in me that leads me to do this? Because this person has given me um, no indication apart from I just have this feeling and you will have that feeling, I guarantee you, for many partners, you know, and if it was just, oh, no, I had one partner once and she left me and now I can't um, trust people. Well, again, listen to what you've just said. Because of something that happened to you, you can't trust other people. So it comes back to you and your problem, not other people. So we've just got to keep coming back to it, that acceptance and that seek to understand yourself first and then seek to understand others and then go, you know what? If I was that person going through what they've been through, then I have to accept that I would be making decisions, the same decisions that he or she is because as much as we like to say, oh, no, I'm objective. I can see things fairly. We can't. 
you know, we're all a result of it. Our experiences, our culture, our upbringing, our everything shapes it. We're all looking through a different window and we can have a room full of people listening to the one person speak. And at the end of it, when you ask them, right, what was the message? What did you get out of it? hundred people in the room could have a hundred different experiences of what the message was. So, you know, we look for those things to confirmational bias. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for this. There it is. I knew I was right. And, you know, then we have cognitive, cognitive dissidence. Yep. This can't yep. be right. No, I'm not believing that. That can't be right. No, that goes against everything that I've believed in rather than sitting there and letting it go out and being non-judgmental. And that's how we are with relationships. She looks a certain way, so I think she'll behave a certain way. Yeah. Or I once went out with a girl who behaved like that or said these same things and turned out to be opposite, so I'm going to judge her on that. Um, I, I think girls who look a certain way are what's attractive, what my friends were like, so I'm going to skip over this other girl who's great. Like, I'm just going to friend zone her because, gee, I think she's great. I think she's wonderful. But I know my friends might think, you know, she's not not pretty enough, not tall enough, not slim enough, not, and she could be the most perfect, wonderful, amazing person who you have a real connection with and you haven't given her a chance. And it's just, you know what, that, that initial judgment where I might appear as I'm not meant to be in their eyes, you've got to get over it. You've got to go the next step. Well, what if that is so? What's the worst that my friends might think less of me? What, how will that affect my life? What will it matter? What will their opinion of me or society's opinion of me matter as long as I feel good about myself, as long as I know who I am and keep bringing it back? Like everything's got to come from inside. It's about yourself, not others. If, if you've met somebody and she's perfect, except then you know it's more about you why does that bother you and why can't you get past it you know there are certain moral and ethical things you know if if i'm a vegan and i've got somebody who you know has no concept of um no acceptance of my moral judgment or if i'm of a certain religion and somebody tries to talk me out of it or convince me of the errors of it or wants to constantly put it down and say how silly and ridiculous it is and there's no scientific basis then they're not the ones for you so you know if they say we could be great together if only you they're not the one for you it's just let it go spot on so it's all about authenticity and knowing what your inner compass uh is is pointing towards um it's, it's that contentment with ourselves. So if you can be authentic with yourself, what you'll see is authenticity in others. It's exactly what you were talking about with the cognitive dissonance and then the cognitive biases. When we don't want to see something, we blind ourselves from every single thing that's out there that could prove exactly the theory or the, the concept or the truth of what it is that we're trying to deny. So in relationships, when we are getting to know someone, or for, be it platonic or personal, um, authenticity is number one. Recognize what interests you have in common. Don't 
pull out the 101 questions, do not go into a relationship with the Spanish Inquisition of you know, quick fire questions and it's an interview. It's the getting to know someone. It's the getting to know their essence. It's getting to know who they are and what they stand for. If you wanna work with them, if you wanna live with them. Um, and then recognizing, is there a connection? And if there is a connection, then what type of connection is it? There's so many different types of connection. Is it just lustful physical connection? Or is there really like a spiritual connection? Or is there an intellectual connection? Or is there an emotional connection? There's so many others. And once you recognize what connection it is and the one that you are seeking to fill or, or seeking to, um, to find, then is there compatibility, as you were saying, Michael? And compatibility looks different for different people, but it means that it's like that girl that you were talking about, that, that bloke that really likes this down-to-earth kind of girl. She might be homely in some bloke's perspectives, um, but she's got it going on, as they say, and she's got all of the, the essential components that make her compatible with you. And if that is the case, who's more important? Mm. You or your blokes? Who are you trying to prove things to? Yourself or your blokes? Because who's living their life? Your blokes, not you, if you're choosing somebody else. So the question is, are you willing and man enough? And I hate using this term in any other way except for this one. Are you man enough to accept that you deserve happiness contentment, appreciation, recognition, and love through compatibility, not just interest, not just intimacy. Because intimacy lasts for so long, but compatibility takes you the long haul because what you're doing is you're building together. You're building the foundation of a solid relationship. Those are healthy relationships that you're building on. Um, uh, sorry, pillars that you're building a healthy relationship on. Um, if you're acting a role and constantly putting on a different mask, if you are manipulating the situation, telling her exactly what you think she wants to hear, when she wants to hear it, if you feel like you need to make her feel like she needs to depend on you more and more, so that's how you keep her with you and not because you you are who you are and you're showing up as you. If you are coming in sacrificing, and I know Michael, you and I have talked a lot about this point. If, if you're coming in sacrificing in order to get her to appreciate you, the cost is too high. That is not a healthy relationship. And I know Michael, we wanted to talk about the impact on children too. How are we setting up our kids with characteristics and qualities to recognize healthy and unhealthy relationships? Let's dip into that quickly. What are your thoughts? Um, again, it comes down to contingent or conditional self-esteem. If I've got a partner, I feel good about myself. If I do well in a job interview, I feel well about myself. If I'm single, somehow I feel less good about myself because if I was good, I would have a partner. I would at least have people trying to make me a partner. I would have a range of suitors lined up out the door. I would be receiving flowers and chocolates and people would be pursuing me if 
I was of value or worth. Well, that's only in other people's eyes. And the, the thing I want to get across to my daughter is the difference between attention and respect. It's easy to get attention. It's so easy, especially nowadays. You know, you get up, you behave in a certain way, you dress a certain way, you look a certain way, you can get all the attention you want. But respect for who you actually are and for what you actually stand for, that's, that's the difference. Because once you respect somebody, you can accept a lot of things that on first glance mightn't be you know, ideal or might be something that you would initially have done but if you respect them you know that their values have led them to make that decision so you can go you know what you're a great person fantastic i think the world of you your morals and ethics are just something that i aspire to so that decision that you've done there i know has to flow from that so i don't need to second guess it or doubt myself or anything like that so it's just been completely accepting of the motivators and the drivers behind them. Because a lot of the times when we have relationships, we have somebody playing games to achieve a certain reaction. And then we have the other person reacting in a way to get more of the, the behavior from the other person. And no one actually knows who they are. And then in the end, when you look back and go, you know what, that, wasn't me and now I've lost somebody that could have been you know could have been good but we were both playing that many games where I'm going to withhold what I'm really feeling because if I tell him I really like him or I love him you know I might frighten him off and he's sitting there thinking the exact same thing exactly and or the other one is I love you and then the other person's well you know it's good congratulations like I don't know what to say and you're going now I've made an idiot of myself. Yeah. You can't make an idiot of yourself if it's authentic. If you weren't doing it to, if, if it was a transactional, um, I love you, I'm going to say this because then she'll say it to me. And then because she said it out loud, then I can hold it over her. But you said you love me. So, you know, and I said I loved you and I thought we were going to be together. How could you then leave me? How could you then say, so, you know, it, you're using, you know, you you played a game and that transactional um, ploy is just the wrong thing to do. But if you genuinely feel it, then there's nothing wrong. You can't, well, it's how I felt. I'm, you know, I, I didn't say it to achieve a certain response. It's how I said it. And you can walk away proud even if, if he or she says, you know, well, you know, you're a lot further along than I am or I'm not looking for anything serious. Well, you've, you haven't lost anything because it was genuine. And In fact, you've gained. What a, yeah, what a, what a great, great feeling to have. Like, you know, to say, well, you got more out of the relationship than she did. Haven't you benefited more than she did or he did? So you really loved them. So you really enjoyed that time together. And now it's over. And you want to focus on the fact that it's over rather than the time that you actually had. Like, let it go. Don't spoil the whole, don't sully the whole time together by going, well, it was just a waste of time. It wasn't a waste of time. Nothing we do in life is a waste of time if we take a growth mindset from it. You know, like I learned, I loved it. It was great while it lasted. And now it's on to the next thing. It's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of the next thing. Exactly. Spot on, Michael.
um, if, if I could leave everyone with any thought right now, it would be this one. If you're looking at what is a healthy and what is an unhealthy relationship, I was trying to find the name of the, ther the psychologist that thought up this concept of seven types of love. And I can't find it, but um, it's the only way to actually have a fulfilling and healthy relationship with a partner, especially, is to have intimacy, passion, and compatibility. Now, if we don't have, um, if we don't have compatibility, we have romantic love because it's intimacy and passion. If we just have intimacy, then we're liking someone. If we just have passion, then it's infatuation. If we have intimacy and commitment, then it's companionship, but it's lacking the passion. If it's commitment without the other party being involved, then it's empty love. Mm -hmm. And then if it's passion and commitment, but without the intimacy, then it's not really a type of love. It's a fictitious type of love. So what we're looking for in our healthy relationships, the triangle, that really makes up a healthy relationship with our children. And, and passion doesn't need to be, you know, other types of passion. It could just be the passion for our child. And intimacy could be meaning being connected and being loving and being sensual in, in healthy ways that you can be with a child, like hugging and kissing them, supporting them and, and uplifting them. So know that the building blocks of a healthy relationship are intimacy, passion, compatibility, and I'll throw in one more. It's acceptance of that person and what they have to offer you. And it's acceptance of you and what you have to offer them. So if you're coming from that space, know your relationship is healthy. If you don't have those four corners or those three points of that triangle, it's not a healthy relationship. With that said, blokes and lovely women that support you. These are just conversation starters with blokes such as yourselves, their children, and the women that support them. It's about many men, many conversations. Follow, like, and share us, and also don't hesitate to comment below. Are your relationships healthy or, un or unhealthy? Are you investing in yourself, in your authenticity, and trusting your inner compass? If not, this is the time to do so. See you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.